It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Hello, welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It is the podcast where we talk about the Twilight Zone and beyond, 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 beyond. Uh, this is Matt here with me. Today is Andrew. Hi. 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 It works. It's like when I used to do music when, and I had that song where we like try and do the live, live fade out. out. Oh God! <laughs> never in any other band that did that. That was so fun. You think someone else would do that? I mean, it makes sense. Nope, I never, <laughs> never with any other band that would. Do that. I mean, if that's what it sounds like on the in the studio, why why not? How else does the song end? Yeah, otherwise you got to figure out an ending, and you all got to be there, you know. You just end with one sour note at the end, you know. <laughs> And you know, the Gonzo style saxophone note. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we need. Anyway, the episode today, it is Eye of the Beholder or the Private World of Darkness. Or Eye of the Beholder. Or or um Eye the Dark World of Privates. There we go. The Dark World of Privates. Private eyes, private dicks, the dark world of private dicks. There we go. The dark world of dicks. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I don't have to censor that because we're talking about detectives, so it's cool. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> um, a little trivia on this one. I, I just I I put original air date was November eleventh, nineteen sixty. Then I mentioned that they had retitled it in nineteen sixty two due to a potential lawsuit. Um, someone was just like that's a copyrighted phrase, and they're like, "Is it?" So they changed it for syndication, then changed it back, but. On the DVDs, it's kind of ridiculous because there's like alternate version of the episode, but the only difference is the title card's different. What a waste of bits on a disc. <laughs> Teleplay is by Serling, while the direction is by Douglas Hayes. We've seen both of these cats around before, and we will again. Maxine Stewart voices Janet while she is still under the bandages. Stewart started off on Broadway before embarking on a 50-year career in television. Her credits range all the way from the Donna Reed show and the Asphalt Jungle in the 1950s to NYPD Blue and Chicago Hope around the turn of the century. She gained an Emmy nomination for her role on The Wonder Years. Donna Douglas played Janet once out of the bandages. She was so disgustingly ugly physically that her main claim to fame was as Ellie Mae Clampett on the Beverly Hillbillies. While she occasionally acted after that show's cancellation, she shifted her focus into becoming a real estate agent, a gospel singer, and a children's books author. Children's book author. I think that's how you, I was supposed to say it. Dr. Bernardi was played by William D. Gordon. He was a writer, director, actor, and producer. And if you'd like to know more, we just encountered him as George, a nervous man in a $4 room, where I went into slightly more detail. 
wiki didn't go into that much detail on those so you know don't don't hold your breath for exciting tidbits <laughs> oh for this episode no, for William Gordon. I mean, you oh, know, okay. he's interesting enough, but he just, you know, he produced some shows. He's he's a Hollywood man, man sure. in Hollywood, man about the town. <clears throat> See, oh, I, that's the sort of close the throat claim I meant to do off the mic. Oops. That's fine. Yeah. Here you go. I have given you a prologue. You can yeah. read the said prologue. All right. Rod Serling, by this point, uh, his teeth are quite dry from all the smoking. And uh, he's he's a little he's not a big drinker, but he recorded all these at once, so he's just getting a little funny with them. So just know that. All right, suspended in time and space for a moment. Your introduction to Miss Janet Tyler, who lives in a very private world of darkness, a universe whose dimensions are the size, thickness, length of the swath of bandages that cover her face. In a moment. We'll go back into this room, and also in a moment, we will look under those bandages, keeping in mind, of course, that we're not to be surprised by what we see, because this isn't just a hospital, and this patient 307 is not just a woman. This happens to be the Twilight Zone, and Miss Janet Tyler, with you, is about to go inside a living butthole. I think you might have paraphrased slightly there, but that's cool. Um, went off script a little bit, but that's yeah. when I went to the Twilight Zone in that moment. That's right. You spent a moment there. Um, mm-hmm. This is a pretty weird episode. I guess it's a pretty iconic one. It's it's the one, you know, we got the first, I guess they're not quite pig faces. We get more literal pig faces later, do we? But they're pretty close. Well, and even these were sort of taken from... Uh, the special effects guy had done the Morlocks in the Time Machine movie, and so you oh know, yeah, it's he, about the same time, isn't it? Okay, so they just yeah, I think I don't I don't think they like reused them. I do think they sculpted new stuff, but it was important to keep them, you know, all very similar looking because the whole story is about conformity. You know, what I, I the thing that does kind of work with this episode it's i don't know i'm such a dystopian fan I'm, i almost wish they just like throw it at, at the beginning but the fact that you know he tells you it's not a normal hospital but the first yeah. 10 minutes is kind of hard to like you know get your head around that right <laughs> like seems like a normal hospital so they start saying weird things like the 11 attempt and that's all we can do and that sort of thing yeah yeah i mean i think that's the thing is that this whole episode hinges on as much trickery as they can possibly do so that your mind doesn't start going to where its most logical conclusion is, you know, the, the twist. And, and given that it's season two of Twilight Zone, people are coming in now expecting something like that. So but it's I, way even harder. I do feel that the actual chief draw of this episode for me is the weird dystopia, which yeah. doesn't come into full flower till you start seeing the, uh, you know, the dictator on the televisions. Yeah, you start to realize that um, it sucks to be in whatever society this is. And, uh, you know, uh, the people who are like actually going to have a good life and get away to somewhere uh, decent are the supposed freaks that must be, you know, sent to some to live somewhere else. Well, if you look like a pig person outside the hospital, what kind of life are you living? I mean, you got a dictator, but uh, well, 
a lot, a lot of people seem to now anyway, right? <laughs> I was going to say, um, like any great Twilight Zone episode, it ages disturbingly well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, not not to just slag on to China directly, but that's almost the vibe going on in China right now. <laughs> Very much so, and to the point where... Um, just I think the general idea of it being uh, like in fashion to be ugly as in an ugly human being, not as in physically is just, yeah, that's, uh, that's very much the moment. Now, how are you reading this? We're in a place where everyone has been disfigured or we're in a place like a completely alternate reality where people are supposed to look like the doctors and the dictator. Well, I mean, this whole thing, and this isn't the first time this has happened in Twilight Zone. The whole thing is this visual metaphor, you know. So it's it's a it's a way to kind of get people to look at their own culture and see it for what it really is. And so um, I never honestly really thought that much about where it might take place. Um, if anything, it must be you know a bizarro uh, Earth. Bizarro! <laughs> I hate them all except Turtle Face. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was kind of my take. Like that is actually um, the the baseline because the other one is like the dictator is put forth. I don't know what if the dictator is like divine, you know, like you know, from the John Waters movie. Sorry, I know I don't need to say that to you, but for the audience, but no, I, hear <laughs> like, no, I understand. John, it's like everything needs to be filthy and now divines become like the dictator and everyone needs to become filthy and we have some sure. injections to do it and it just doesn't take on some people like like this lady yeah queen carlotta from desperate living you know to where you know everybody has to become this kind of monstrous thing because that's the law of the land so i um, mean there's there's two flavors of dystopia i guess here that you could that you could smell where one is just the weird alternate reality one the other is something like that i mean both are interesting and i guess it doesn't really matter which one it is for the uh contours of this episode but I, you know just given like we were saying about the current uh cultural climate uh with fascism and and uh just ugliness in general like i mentioned um, I, I like the idea that um, the only people that have retained their humanity are the ones that actually resemble way, the way humans were. And people have, you know, so maybe it's in the future where people's ugliness has become so bad that it's moved to the outside and their desire for conformity has also moved itself to the outside. And so they all look alike and they're all just horrifying. Maybe this is. Maybe this is a, a future where everyone enjoyed the full benefits of nuclear power. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say, though, um, for all the ugliness that they've got in terms of the grotesque makeup, I do think that Serling made it a point to um, have their dialogue not be necessarily so it wouldn't kind of lead you toward any sort of suspicion. Um, despite, the, of course, yeah, what we're talking about that you hear these increasingly alarming messages throughout it. Um, I don't think he wanted to give any sort of indication um, of their tone of voice or their actions being necessarily monstrous. No, the doctor himself is uh, relatively, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking? Not, not heartfelt. That's the 
a nuanced portrayal of the doctor. The doctor's like, what I'm doing is kind of screwed up, but it's there's not really another choice, and I'll try and yeah. do my best, you know. So yeah, so it, it doesn't give it away. Um, all right, so that subtlety, you know, from a performance standpoint. Now the subtlety, what they were able to achieve with the lighting and makeup, I just, I mean, it's still to me just blows me away because it all hinged on not giving it away. So automatically it became like, how do the, how do we shoot these people without shooting them? And all the little ways you see how they achieve that is just, it's, it was, it was done so well that nobody knew what they were doing. Nobody knew what the people that made it were doing. It was, but it didn't date well. That's one thing I definitely felt watching it last night because I'm watching it on Blu-ray. Oh yeah. Very soon in, I can very easily make out these people's faces in the shadows and they're not wearing makeup. And then the last scene right before the reveal, you still see them in the shadows. Oh, they bothered to put the makeup on them now. Yeah, it's well, like it, it was a low budget show. Yeah, but I do wonder if they could have blocked things a little bit better, you know, just to, or 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 up the contrast. Some maybe this might have been a good one for them to have actually done on videotape since they had to do some on videotape this season. Oh, God. Yeah. And those like I the lower we'll... fire that would have helped this episode. Yeah. I, you know, and when we're talking about Twilight Zone, I often bring into context the times in which they aired and um this is a perfect example of like how, you know, they uh, it served what they were doing very well to have uh, the technology where it was in terms of uh, TVs at home. Also, I guess, not you know, like, like not very sharp. This was somewhat of an innovative filmmaking thing when this came out. Right. Mm-hmm. But this kind yeah, of yeah. sleight of hand is very common now and done with way more finesse now like you really like you have to have an eagle eye to find the uh the seams in these now whereas this one you don't have to look that hard especially when you're watching a blu-ray oh yeah well back then you know it's not only were the the screens just sort of fuzzy in the average home but also no one ever thought that there would be like someone taping it and watching it again and freeze framing and pausing and things like that you know? exactly so and, and then yeah they just the, the fuzziness of the tv i'm sure it played perfectly like i like this one probably was more effective to watch in 1960 so like i'm saying like story-wise dialogue-wise it it does hold up pretty well but this is one where the production definitely doesn't make it all the way to 2022 without you know growing some warts on its yeah, I know. And I can even remember in the 80s when I began watching these with my dad, um, like after the first time I saw it. Um, and you're not anticipating how awful the woman looks, you know, and that's not the thing that's scaring you or, you know, providing suspense. You then are looking for indicators and those edges that you see that you were talking about of the makeup. I then noticed from that point on every time I watched it. And that was yeah. on various uh, standard def and everything throughout the years. That's my point. Even by the eighties, like you couldn't really pull this trick anymore. Probably I mean, not. or you, you could, you, again, you would just have to be a lot more like slick about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but what, is, is there anything recently that kind of has pulled this particular sleight of hand? I mean, we got the sixth sense kind of does it in a way, I guess, not through visual effects, but as it more through how they do the dialogue. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, you've, you've got something that a, a rather big twist that everything sort of hinges on. 
And so you've got to, yeah, you've got to, your techniques are so important that people can't know that a technique is being used, you know? Now, one, one thing I did like, I, I thought was a very cool shot was the uh, bandage vision. Yeah. Um, I think that was like a fishbowl. Um, yeah, oh, the, and then you wrap around the fishbowl, something like that. Yeah, anyway, what, what, whatever it did, that, that was an effective shot, I thought. You know, yeah, it's great. Because, you know, and I think even when the people are in the shadows and stuff like that, I think that is also meant to be her point of view, uh, the main character, um, to where you know, we don't see them well because she doesn't see them well. Right. Now, um, well, I've seen this one before. I actually did kind of forget about the dystopian aspect. I guess that's why I was asking, is it alternate reality or our own future? Because I just remember, oh, it's a weird alternate reality where everyone looks like, you know, like distorted freak people. I had forgotten I, about the dystopian aspect somewhat. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm more leaning toward the dystopia because, um, I mean, it makes it even more prescient. And gosh, to even think about at the time uh being contemporary because you know there was sort of a conformity going on in terms of uh you know looking a certain way dress for the dress for success and don't the, don't go outside the lines kind of culture the point is since i forgot about the uh, dystopian part till the tv screens start coming down uh, i i did that's where i actually did get caught because you come in this one yeah i know the twist right so <laughs> but then i got uh some notes like is he guilt tripping her for health issues and then segregated <laughs> segregated that's a loaded word which yes yeah. it is a loaded word that's exactly where we're going <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and it yes it could be interpreted a couple of different ways um but my my interpretation of it has pretty much stayed the same kind of basic thing which is just about uh the idea that there's a standard of beauty yeah another one when we first go into the doctor's office i i don't know if this was just a i, I couldn't have been a mistake uh he's got a lamp in his corner and and in a later scene this is not the case but in the first scene they have it um shot where there's some light going through that lamp and the shadow on the back looks exactly like a pair of eyes behind it whoa i don't think i ever picked up on that when is this the, the bigger the beginning in the office it's the first scene in the doctor's office, probably about five, six, seven minutes. And I, di I didn't make a time code. Sorry. But um, yeah, I was just like, that's pretty wild. <laughs> okay, yeah, My eye has, for some reason over the years, never wondered there to, to pick up on that. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even sure that was intentional, but I, I certainly like it looked like one of those, you know, like, like Tibetan, like sort of, or ne Nepalese sort of, you know, eye things. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, the thick yeah, eye. Yeah, yeah, I do. Sort of, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I think we're going with it intentional. Just because they had so little money, there's no reason why they couldn't, you know, throw something like that. And it could have even just been like someone's like, wow, that's a badass shadow. Let's shoot that, you know? Like, right. <laughs> Make people wonder about it. Exactly. Um. So what, what what did what did our dictator call it? The delight of joyous conformity. Yeah, like it was. I mean, that's the one thing. Even though I say it's opener in a lot of different ways of interpreting it, this is so on the nose. The pig nose. Yeah. This episode. That that was another cheat, I think, because the first time you see the di dictator, it's in a wide shot, but he's clearly not like a pig man at that point. 
know and uh, our eagle-eyed viewers of of you know the 21st century are certainly going to see that you know you got to remember also the screens we're watching it on typically are way bigger than they were uh originally yeah so again you know blurring this up that's where again i think wow that they yeah if, and you know captain hindsight right but this should have been sure. one of the videotape ones because then it might still look okay despite looking worse yeah and i think that you know the tape and we'll do this as we go into season two and uh inevitably beyond one of the taped uh, episodes uh can talk about whether or not sometimes that medium either served or did a disservice to the the actual material you know but i think in this case i think that the tape would look good um not just for the reasons of contrast but i just think it would fit the you know that claustrophobic clinical sort of you know we never really leave that compound or where the hospital yeah this did kind of maybe because of the purposeful obfuscation of everyone this did feel like more like an experimental film or like a european art film of the period than a twilight oh, zone typically does i agree yeah yeah very much so i mean it's uh um i mean it is i mean even though it wasn't a high contrast enough, a lot of these images are really sort of deliberately shadowy. And, you know, that was because again, they had to hide a pretty big secret, but um, yeah, it has, I also think five characters in search of an exit um, does that too, to a degree. I always felt like that one was just very kind of utilitarian for lack of a better word. Yeah. Or, or in your, you know, surrealistic playwriting you're waiting for godot that one sort of and then you know jumps into that sort of territory <laughs> yeah oh yeah well that one yeah definitely this one's obviously more in your um wait what 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 dystopia is this like i was about to say 1984 but except for the dictator no one seems particularly aggressive maybe brave new world is the better uh mm. comparison there's no soma though because nobody seems that happy no <laughs> I guess I that makes know. its own it's it's its own thing. Well, I I'll yeah, I was that. gonna say it doesn't. You couldn't. But you, yeah, I don't think it safely falls in. Well, in no, I I did think of actually one that kind of um, it's at least worth comparison, comparing. But it doesn't obviously it doesn't. This was not influenced, but um, the film Surrogates. Did you see Surrogates? Oh. Yeah, because everyone lives vicariously with their avatars or right, their robotic right. avatars. It's not like the metaverse. They are going into the real world, but in their robot bodies. And the people that are not into that have like an, a, an enclave, right? Yes. And man, did I love surrogates. I remember writing a review of that when it came out. I loved that one. God, so I mean, it kind of made me think like um, Mr. Smith and her at the end, Miss Tyler and Mr. Smith are heading toward that kind of enclave, you know? Yeah, no, they exactly are. Yeah, although <laughs> now I'm going to think about that. That's <laughs> where they're going. <laughs> well, I am thinking like, like where they're going, probably, I don't know, it seems like it would be somewhat second rate, of course, right? I mean, they're playing I, it here like it's fine, but it's probably not. True, but even if it's, a, you know, a trailer park, it's better than I would prefer it to whatever's going on over there. Well, that's the thing in surrogates. They prefer living in their lo-fi, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I guess they're running some generators for electricity, that sort of thing, and, and not, yeah. not really uh, joining the, the quote-unquote real world. <laughs> right, right. But like, like I said, I hadn't thought about surrogates 
in a bit since it came out really but i remember loving it and yeah so that's a good place for that to land i feel like that's because we never actually really get a look at where they go so i'm i'm with it so i've seen um you know articles in the past 10 15 years uh talking about how we we subconsciously judge beauty on symmetry like how symmetrical one's face is so I was thinking, what is symmetry class like in this universe or in this world? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I just read uh, some, I, I forget where, who was talking about it, but yeah, someone was in the makeup chair on uh, some TV show or movie and um, the person that was making them up um, stopped to just keep saying how they had a symmetrical face. <laughs> Like mm -hmm. as in the person doing the makeup had this symmetrical face, but you know, I'm sure you've seen those things where they take one side and just flop it and it looks freaking hideous. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember the first time I saw one of those articles, they were, um, they were putting, putting Elizabeth Hurley up front as having the most symmetrical face. So hmm. take what you want with that, but <laughs> um, let's talk. Happened? No, yeah, I haven't seen her in a while, but I guess she was very symmetrical. So, <laughs> yeah, too symmetrical. <laughs> um, when we first see Janet, I couldn't help but think of like the Joker, like the Burton mm. Batman wise, and on his bandages or the Red Hood, since this is black and white. I can imagine it's red. I don't know. I just had weird Batman thoughts enter my mind as it started, and I guess just the archness of the uh, the show also like subconsciously pushes that button. Oh yeah, it does. No, it, it's, it's, it's hoping. And I remember this as a kid, clearly it's hoping that you're like really put off by her and those bandages. And it's, a, it's an eerie, uh, it makes you think of uh, Dalton Trumbo that uh, Johnny got his gun black and white movie where you've got the immobile um, injured soldier. Right, right. Um, just in black and white as well. It's just one of the most disturbing images I feel ever committed to film. Near the start, we also get a flash of a uh, Templeton cigarettes. So I just wrote that those are trouble because I think I think the trouble with Tem uh, Templeton's like three episodes after this or something. So oh, you're right. <laughs> so I, oh, I, you're I felt right. like we yeah. were making the references. <laughs> yeah, because this is a few episodes into season two. Um, and I can't remember where it follows in the sequence, but I feel like there's some lighter ones before and after this. Oh, for sure. Um, to the point where it's almost like wild how good, because toward the end of season one, you and I both were talking about how, you know, uh, when it came to the mighty Casey, it was more of just like, oh, let's get this over with. Let's meet the quota. <laughs> but, to, uh, to, I'll ask you one then, because it came up two weeks ago when we were talking about the thing about machines. We were like, is this a comedic episode? <laughs> it's no, kind this of, one. It's kind of no, no. I mean, the thing about machines, because oh. he, it's funny, but he does get murdered by his car at the end. No, it's like <laughs> it's really dark. Like some, and I think Serling is probably he he has he has episodes that I feel are like super sadistic, where. <laughs> You know, and he just doesn't seem to care about anybody in the episode it's in terms of his character. He still loves them clearly, but yeah, I mean, he, he has no problem having that happen to him. Yeah. 
Yeah, th- this one for sure is is not a comedic episode. So we'll just we'll throw no. I mean, it's it really has one. It really has one place that it's trying to end up, and uh, I mean, it's really effective, even when you know it's coming. Um, it really like I don't think this will ever be an episode that won't make people think. It's just too, it's too well done and too on the nose. Yeah. I think I hit most of my thoughts here. Is there any big thoughts you wanted to just throw out while we're just uh, spitballing against the wall? Uh, well, I think it's worth mentioning that the um, the actor who played um, the unbandaged, I think the idea of the casting here and getting two people, there was this idea that we're not going to get a really beautiful quote unquote actor that's going to be able to pull off the performance under the bandages and vice versa. We're not going to get someone under the bandages. That's really great looking. And so there's always been this sort of weirdness with me about this episode in that um, there was still sort of a, and I, I know this is something they had to have thought of, but the fact that they had to base the part of the woman unmasked they had to find somebody that they felt everyone would say oh what a beautiful person (laughs) and it's i I don't call that ironic but it's it's more of just like a i guess it's a necessary evil of making this comment they still had to do the whole thing with the casting to where it's like okay well who who can we get that's it's still i mean the way i feel about beauty was mostly shaped by naomi wolf's book the beauty myth i don't know if you've ever heard of this but it's it was a early 2000s feminist literature and it really just upended uh, everything from um, advertising to just like industry standards and going back centuries. And it was a real good meditation on, well, I mean, it's called the beauty myth because somebody made it up. <laughs> and so, yeah, I always think about that with this episode and that, okay, yes, we're talking about conformity and we are in talking about these nebulous beauty standards but we still had to do it when we cast it right yeah yeah that's why maybe that's why i was like you know being like snarky in my trivia right to take the edge off (laughs) (laughs) sure i did know yeah she has to do so much uh, um maxine stewart has to do so much hand acting since she is under all the well is she just doing the voice or is she who, who is under the bandages I, I i couldn't quite figure out if that was her or yet somebody else no it was two actors and um because of the way the dialogue was dubbed it's you know it sounds like it could be someone else but it is her but the actor who and i need to what are these names who played who played her unmasked is that donna douglas that's donna douglas unmasked okay, so- Douglas was on set the entire time that uh, Maxine Stewart was under the bandages so that she could, I guess, I don't, I don't know if this was the exact purpose, uh, but she was a real novice at that time. Donna Douglas was. And so um, it was kind of their theory of somebody beautiful is not going to have the acting skills. They were just going to dub that part, but she was able to mimic um maxine stewart's voice so well that that really is douglas you know it just sounds exactly like her because she heard her voice on set all day long all day long right and right. went over okay. to do it and so 
Yeah, I uh, I don't think I knew that until I, re- I listened to the commentary by uh, Donna Douglas. Okay, well, um, that that means that Maxine Stewart was doing an awful lot of hand acting. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you have nothing yeah. else. Um, oh, the sorry, one more thing. I just when she's talking about the clouds at the beginning. I don't know if this if you're an Orb fan, but I couldn't help but thinking of a uh, Ricky Lee Jones and Little Fluffy Clouds. <laughs> No, yeah. the the reference is awesome, but probably not to your someone. Uh, will, someone will catch that. <laughs> listeners with far more refined taste than I have. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the orb. So if that never crossed your sphere, then <laughs> no, I've been listening to Beyonce and Lizzo both put out new albums recently. So that's been the rotation. <laughs> Let's get into our questions in this episode. Who takes a trip through the twilight zone? Oh man. I meant to think about this earlier. I should know this right away. I mean, I the Twilight Zone, we want to say, is someone transformed, right? Well, it's, that, a, it's, a, it's an open-ended question, so if you want to take it that way, you can. Yeah. Uh, I, it's pretty clear where Janet is going. Uh, and the, the main character and also where dude is going the, the other guy that looks normal but it is not necessarily clear where like the doctor is going because he has I mean he's been a complete and total failure so it's kind of a question mark what happens to him for me so that's my that's my pick okay um, here, here's here's my take on it the episode takes place completely in the twilight zone, be it an alternate dimension or just a future where things went really weird in some way. So the whole episode's in the twilight zone. And usually we have like a representative, like from the twilight zone, you're Mr. Pip or something, right? Yeah. Whereas this one has no representation from the twilight zone. I guess you might be able to argue the dictator, but I I don't Mm -hmm. think you have to. So I would just be like everybody. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, no, in, in my estimation, this may be a, seem like a cop-out, but I, f- I guess this is one of the ones where the viewer goes there. Yeah, yeah, the viewer gets, yeah, is like, whoa, the most, right? So, well, I mean, you know, following the whole thing about having the, you know, the avatar in the episode, um, it would mean that, yeah, we've gone. The, the viewer has gone. Okay, then let's let's take the second question a little differently because we could be like, do these people deserve to live in this dystopia they've created? Uh, people have had that conversation before. Um, did did the viewer deserve to go through the twilight zone as the, the, the cold viewer, the person who is shocked by the fact that she's beautiful and everyone else is pig people? Did they deserve yeah. that? Because they just got slapped in the face with beauty standards maybe <laughs> uh, i mean if you are upended um by the message and this isn't one of those what my dad used to call leave it under the seat viewing experiences then i'd say yeah yeah okay what if but the if, viewers not affected there's like ah, whatever there's a bunch of people maybe they're one of those people that can't like really tell faces so well oh god well you you didn't you didn't go into the twilight zone then you just watched a tv show then you just watched a very confusing tv show yeah you're like why is everybody a pig which i if i didn't say so before i love these makeups because i think everyone loves these makeup this makeup 
these makeups <laughs> well the thing is like not only does it make sense to have them like even though there's I, I don't know how many people show and there's really only four or three four or five faces among them you know which goes to serve their thing even though there's a case of using the low, bu low budget great but most importantly from behind there's no makeup like from the back these people look completely normal right right so instead of having all the money to throw it at making these really monstrous elaborate makeups instead they had to do these cheap you know molds and then you know everybody gets one of four or five different faces uh maybe even some use the same parts over i don't know <laughs> uh but i think it's uh yeah i think it serves it so well that it was actually low budge and they had to just you know economize with the makeups because i mean from the back it's they probably didn't have like you were saying they probably didn't have any makeup on oh they why did, would they need it no they didn't i was like paying too much attention that's that's where i like might have ruined the episode a little bit for me because <laughs> i'm like that's a normal dude there yeah right <laughs> <laughs> the first time i see the nurse i was like hey i thought the whole twist on this was everyone looks like pigs but she looks perfectly normal because i can like see into the shadows oh so god that... maybe they maybe they should have just upped the contrast some for the for a release <laughs> i don't know i don't know how i mean i um i don't own the i only own the blu-ray of season one uh because i didn't have the money at the time to shell out for the whole thing so i was gonna buy them a season at a time and then i was like eesh so uh, I watched them on DVD, but they're upscaled on a Blu-ray player. And so um, I can, yeah, it can still, I see what you see pretty much. Yeah. But that was the thing I was, I guess I was watching this one more like intellectually, like, cause I know what the conceit is. I'm like, oh, how are they doing it? Again, mm -hmm. the only thing that threw me for a loop was all the, um, the dictator stuff. Cause I'd forgotten about the TV screens were cool. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Yeah, she throws a something at one of them, and it, instead of shattering, it just blips off the screen because it's a future it just, TV. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's put it on a tripometer. Okay, this one's easy for me uh, because we are in the twilight zone. The viewer, I I feel like this one's a solid four for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, just because of how they upend reality, mm. you know. I mean, it, it may start off as a two or two and a half, but I feel like, yeah, it's a, it's a four for me by the, you know, that once the mask is off, it's what, what? I mean, there's <laughs> t-shirts of that. This is, I think we said on time enough at last that that was the most like iconic episode, but I don't think that's right. I, the beholder is, I feel the most probably well-known I guess it's got that little darker strain in it. Well, I mean, time enough at last does too, but this one, this one doesn't does, really give you anything to giggle at. But when the doctor turns over his shoulder and asks for the needle, that image is just, I mean, like I said, I've seen tons of t-shirts, posters, stickers, you know, needle, please. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> As for me, like, I guess the, so I'm, I, I have to do a little math here, I guess that the, um, the, the the twist itself is everybody kind of knows it now. Still a good one. So maybe that's like a three, right? But then I was like kind of really taken out by watching it and really being able to see like 
under the hood, so to speak. I so see. that yeah. so I was like, oh, I gotta give this negative points there. You know, that's a negative two on the tripometer because you're you're oh, take, take, you're blasting me out. But then the dictator stuff's a straight five. <laughs> like that's like like you said, the last few minutes is like wild stuff. Like that's some trippy stuff for sure. It so is, uh, like... I'm I'm gonna settle on that three in the end. Okay. So uh, with with the dictator stuff uh, balancing out the fact that um, some of the some of the special effects could have been done a little better or or just the post production could have been done a little bit better. I, I, I guess direction wise, you do the best you can. It's like, well, their face is in shadow. We'll fix it in post and no one fixed it in post, you know? Yeah, and also, uh, I don't think anybody had ever tried to do what they were doing. So it's definitely kinda... innovative. Like I said, this is the most like experimental film Twilight Zone we've seen so far. I think so. No, I agree. It, uh, yeah, there was just it's it's not gonna it's not gonna hold up great because it, I don't think it was made to. to it was just they did their best. Okay, to, with, with no <laughs> no guideline really to go by. Anyway, I think we're in the middle of September. Is there something you want to tell people in the middle of September? Um, do you remember the 21st night of September? <laughs> I'm checking the actual release date now. See, you called me. I have to check the release date. Anyway, what's, what's up with guns? Uh, 20. I think it's going to be the 20th. No, it's the 19th. Crap. Okay. September. Uh, by that time, Gonzarific will be shooting um, nude witchcraft after all these years. <laughs> I, I made a soundtrack for that 10 years ago. It was more than 10 years ago that you did that. It is one of my most watched uh, videos on the Gonzarific YouTube channel. Uh, it has remained so. Um, I think it's because of that great music, but we'll see. Well, I guess so, I'm yeah, if you've got that, that at the end of this around. episode. <laughs> yeah, if you've got that that track laying around, we're gonna need it. I got the whole soundtrack laying around. I got like six tracks for you. Of nude witchcraft? The movie yeah. we never made? What? Yeah. I made a whole I thought you were gonna make it, so I made a soundtrack. Dang. Okay. Well, yeah, I need that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are really good. It was just I had someone else write the script because I didn't have time and it wasn't uh it wasn't something we could do. And so I've rewritten it. But given uh, Adam its proper credit for because I don't know now which parts were his and which ones are mine. Kind of anyway, like in an orgy. Did you say a website? I don't remember. Gonzorific.com. Maybe Get some did. movies. I, watch I, some I was, movies. I was too busy thinking about about nude witchcraft, man. <laughs> oh right. No, I've I have a I pitched it to some folks, the folks I did Jugsaw with, and they were in based on the title. They didn't even have to know what this story. <laughs> Which is good because there's, you know, I'm re still rewriting it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, as for this, it's Time Enough Podcast, Time Enough Pod on Twitter and Facebook. And you can support us on Patreon at Podcastio Podcastius. We also talk about sci-fi films and Matt Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Game game shows at the game game show where we game about games or they game about games. I gamed about games with them once. Uh, Luke loves Pokemon, Monster Hunter. Are you a Pokemon that licks its microphone? I'm a microphone that licks its Pokemon. Okay. That, I guess that works too. Yes. Okay. Well, have a nice, good night's sleep, and we'll see what you look like in the morning. <laughs> right, old priest. <laughs> <laughs>